This is Dominique Beaumonte. You are listening to Season with Salt, the podcast. I'm your host, and this is episode 59. What's up? This is Dominique Beaumonte, and you are listening to Season with Salt, the podcast. I am elated to be back with you again. This is episode 59, y'all. Has he, can you believe that it has been 59 episodes? We're in our fourth year of the podcast, and I just want to say, as always, how much I appreciate the fact that you take the time to listen to the podcast. I get really positive feedback ever so often. Folks share it, and I really appreciate it. Uh I am, uh, I guess, in a, a, a living a characteristically unique uh, life in that uh, I'm a person who has been called by God to preach. Um, and I, um, as uh, in addition to that reality, um, am a black man and I'm single and I'm 40 years old. Ten years ago, uh, Ari Vernon came out with a book um, called, I got this book right here with me, The Ten Rules of Dating. And at the time for which the book came out, I was the singles ministry president at my church. And I broke a lot of rules as the single ministry president. One in particular was that I was the only president of the singles ministry that did not um, uh, become ineligible to uh, be the president because of marriage. I did not get married, but I did not um, continue on as the president. At any rate, while I was president, we read this book. And the other day, I was kind of going through my library and looking at books that uh, I'd read down through the years. And I noticed that this was one of the books that I had a lot of tabs in. And I'm like, wow, I wonder how much um, of this book is relevant 10 years later. I think first I have to be a little bit vulnerable and honest about my dating life. Um, I don't know if I... I don't know. I don't know if I, like, so I'm no expert. I'm not going to be able to tell you how to date, why to date, who to date. Um, I have a very limited amount of experience when it comes to, um, like, dating apps and that kind of thing. I have a lot of experience with people, especially in the church environment, like, kind of, forcing you to like date. Um, I've had, when I was a singles president, like I noticed, you know, something that I heard from a lot of people was that they feel pressured to marry and to um, be in relationships. And that a lot of the pressure came from married people. 
And what I realized, especially in that season, is that a lot of the married people that were like pressuring singles to get married and especially in the Christian realm, they were people that were unhappy in their marriage or they had some questionable marriages that perhaps they were happy, but on the outside, people were questioning. And so like it kind of developed sort of this animosity in me because I would like respond very directly to people. I mean, I had my clapbacks ready when people would be like making comments around singleness um, and being you know, kind of derogatory, disrespectful towards people that are single. Um, so, like, I had developed a lot of perspective on just how to be actively single um, and how to respond to people who question singleness. But I spent a lot of time, like, trying to, like, challenge people's perspectives on dating, but I didn't spend or extend that same amount of energy uh, trying to like be somebody who dates. Um, my life changed, uh, 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 you know, a couple of years ago, um, I was uh, at working at the university and a group of friends at the university were going to lunch and invited me to join. So we went to a restaurant and um, to my surprise, everybody started talking about their dating life and how they were either exposed to people that they were dating um, and where they were exposed at. Um, one person in particular was at the table and they were in the process of being um, uh, engaged. Um, and I found it to be like interesting how they talked about their finding love on apps. And my first response was, wait a minute, like preachers can't be on Bumble and plenty of fish and match.com. Like I started to think about some of the, you know, generic sort of responses to things that people are generally fearful of. So they start making up rules and stuff. And so I fell in that boat. I started making up rules like, oh no, we don't do that. Oh no, that's not, that's not, you know. And one of the persons at the table, I will never forget this. He was like, well, you should just try it. Just try it for 30 days. If it doesn't work, you know, then, um, you know, Yes, I, you just don't. Anyway, so the, however long that was, and I'm still on, on a few of the dating sites. So um, I did have some positive experiences, and I met some women that were very great people, um, and I don't regret those experiences. But there's just something strange for, for to me about, like, engaging in apps. Anyway, I don't want to get too deep in apps because, you know, that's not what this podcast episode is about. This is about a review, um, a 10-year review of the book, 10 Rules of Dating by R.A. Vernon. So let me just um, pop off to you right now and say that um, I, I love this book um, just because I think that sometimes there are all these cliches and stigmas around dating, and really people inside of the church don't know how to teach about dating, right? They, um, their perspectives on dating are really simple, like, you're a single, you're single, and she's single, so you guys need to get married. And it's like, no, 
dating is this opportunity for um, people to find out more about themselves, what they care about, what they're passionate about, what they like, and the opposite sex. And then uh, the dating that I'm talking about, right? This is not, I'm not talking about everybody else's dating. I'm just talking about the dating that I'm talking about in context with this book. So if your definition of dating does not match, don't be writing no uh, long review or trying to tell me off. I'm talking about my definition of dating on my podcast. Okay? Okay. So... This is what Ari Vernon suggests, like in his book, he says that there are three types of singles. And he said through his research and counsel over the years, he had discovered that basically there are three types of singles, single and satisfied, single and sinning, and single and seeking. And I'm going to be honest with you, when I read this, I'm like, okay, not sinning, not sinning, right? Um, uh, it could... In my mind, I'm open to seeking, but definitely not actively engaged in seeking, um, which probably tilts me beyond satisfied because I know that, you know, when you're single, like especially if you know that there's a possibility and you see, especially I love kids, you know, I'm around other people, all my friends are married. And so I'm not going to say that it never comes to mind, right? And so like this idea of being in covenant with somebody um, it feels natural. It feels like something that's God ordained. And so when people get like really rowdy about like, oh, I don't, I'm not gonna, I don't want nobody. I, I, it's like, I think you're just overdoing it just a little bit because I think deep inside now, maybe this person has been hurt. If you've been hurt, um, through dating or through marriage and you're, and you're like, Hey, I'm, I want to wipe my hands clear that I understand. Right. But, um, there, there should be some part of us that is vulnerable or open to the possibility, right? Even if it's just the possibility that God might, you know, um, do something in the in, in the life of um, of folks. But um, so that's how he kind of defines those, those stages. And um, is there some gray area in those? I don't know, but. I had to think about like, okay, where do I, where do I fall in that? Where do I want to fall in that? Um, and where do I fall in that? And I think that kind of sometimes that um, is a good question. So he suggests that there are 10 rules of dating. Let me tell you what the rules are before I go into some key thoughts around some of the rules. I, maybe he's written another book since then. Um, I don't know, um, but I just, I just appreciated the, this book. He suggests that rule number one is there must be physical attraction. Rule number two, they must love Jesus. Rule number three, they must be compa- com- there must be compatibility and connectivity. Rule number four, discuss each other's past. Rule number five, discuss children. Rule number six, talk about money. Some of these, uh, this is, I don't know if this is in order or not, but rule number seven, pace yourself, slow down. Rule number eight, engage or disengage. Rule number nine, go to counseling. And then rule number 10, do not touch. Okay, so let's start with rule number one, there must be physical attraction. I, and I know that not everybody who listens to my podcast is deeply invested, involved in the church, but I'm talking about from my trajectory and my mindset and from my experience. And so I just want, if you are somebody that's married and, or if you are somebody that's hoping, maybe you're happily single and you're hoping that your daughter or your son gets married. 
let me tell you how important rule number one is because sometimes when people like like are are happily married or single and satisfied or whatever that might look like they don't take into consideration that there has to be physical attraction some people will project on you like this level of like loneliness and like they will look at your age or they will look at you know your 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 place in life and they will say well you just need to hurry up or you need to you know you're running out of time you know you know you need to you know he's single you're single like she's single you're single why don't you guys get together well it puts us in a bad position folks when you know, you try to hook me up with Sheila and I tell you that I'm not interested in Sheila and then you ask me why. Hey, there must be physical attraction. Listen, don't position a single person to have to tell you why they're not interested in someone because then it gets into kind of messiness, right? I don't want to have to explain to that, that why somebody that I, and I've been in this situation, right? Like, you know, so I'm nice, you're nice. Somebody's trying to hook us up. They're like, oh, you don't like such and such? And I say no, and they want to know why. And I have to find a way to say I'm not physically attracted to that person. And then it kind of gets messy because you don't have any negative feelings toward the person, like, but somebody is pushing you to label why you are not interested. If you're going to be like trying to connect folks, I think a good question to ask is, are you attracted to this person? Like, could you see yourself with this person? If the person says no, leave it alone. I just, I cannot reiterate that enough. If the person is like, nah, I don't want to be like, just leave it alone. Because nine times out of 10, that's the first thing that a person is thinking. Not going to be attracted to this person physically. And listen, we have the right to be attracted to somebody physically. Nobody wants to be stuck in a relationship with somebody that they do not see as physically attractive or that somebody they love. What Ari Vernon does is he goes through a number of scriptures. He starts in Genesis and he talks about the ways that attraction shows up. And people will tell you how they fell in love first sight with their spouse. or But then they will tell you, oh, honey, you can grow to love that. You can get over that. They'll They'll lose weight. And I mean, you ain't you ain't a spring chicken either. Or you got wrinkles under your eyes. Like, so what? I might be, I might have wrinkles under my eyes. I might not be physically attractive. And I might want somebody that's more attractive than me. I might want somebody out of my league. That's my right to want. Let me just, just tell y'all. And so let people be physically attractive. And so Ari Vernon gives some tips. He's like, be your best self. And I appreciate that because as saints, we need that reminder because sometimes we go, we're in the in the sort of these mundane sort of rotation of activities and we forget about the importance of dressing up and taking care of ourselves and, 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 and creating great hygiene and all this kind of stuff because we are constantly in spaces where people are not looking at us as potentially somebody that 
um, they will want to be interested in. The reality is, is you don't, you never know where you're going to be when, when somebody is looking at you can be just taking a run around the corner to go to the store. And then you get to the store and somebody that you are attracted to could be at the store in the front of the line. And you're like, Oh wait, I just ran to the store and I didn't care about what I look like. And so Ari Vernon says, be your best self. Um, he uh, also um, notes that um, this on page 21, he says, since the majority of singles reading this book are probably Christians, let me answer the question for you that you all want to ask. What if they are not good in bed? Then he goes on to say, let me state emphatically, but I believe that premarital sex is wrong. The Bible, he goes over 1 Corinthians 6 and 18. And he talks about um, the the importance of, of of thinking, and he ends by saying that like anything that the believer experiences, we have to walk by faith, and that walk by faith is inclusive of <laughs> what our what our wedding by 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 be like, because you can't get no you can't get a little in our spiritual context before you get married, and so. The, the I had a friend um, who um, was getting married um, and uh, he went to visit uh, the pastor of his fiance um, and he um, thought that he was going to be in trouble because he had spent you know some 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 questionable time with his fiance and the pastor said, hey, you know what I'm gonna be honest with you like I'd rather you be in here you know, like telling me that you came close to crossing the line than telling me that you ain't never had, you ain't never felt nothing. Like, I think that we do need that reminder that sexual attraction is healthy, right? Like that it is okay to see someone as sexually attractive. It's okay to want somebody, but there's a difference between falling into temptation and just, you know, like there's a difference between there's a difference between falling into temptation and just going to bed with somebody. And so I appreciate this idea of like sexual attractiveness. Um, you need to have that in order for the relationship to be sustained. And I think that that's important too. And one of the things I've learned in my, in my dating life in, in particular is that like, especially as somebody who loves the Lord, who goes to church, who has a trajectory of a preacher, you know, I, I like a lot of people, like they will line you up something that they see physically, some type of physical presentation, like, oh, well, such and such is a good speaker or, you know, such and such is a good, you know, she would make a good preacher's wife. And it's just like, yeah, but you are looking at what they present at church. Um, when, when, when you mature, like, and you start, and I'm talking, I'm not talking even about spiritual maturity. I'm talking about just natural maturity. There's some stuff like when I'm looking at uh, the, the compatibility between me and a woman, I'm not thinking about like, can she preach or can she sing a sermonic solo? I'm thinking about like other needs that I have in life that would equate to compatibility that go beyond the person's capability, like while they're at church, right? Like just half the stuff that we do at church is because we learn how to do it, right? But <coughs> I'm thinking about, you know, how I'm compatible with a person, you know, beyond their gifts and talents in the public arena. And so I just, I love the idea um, of, 
um, them being attractive. The, his second rule was they must love Jesus. And I think that that goes without saying. And I think these days and times, like we want to make people love Jesus and we want to like kind of, you know, say, hey, you know, they, you know, they'll come around. Um, what um, R.A. Vernon provides is a couple of, of, of warning signs. Um, so some of the warning signs that he mentions, uh, Matthew's language is not reflective of someone who represents Christ. In addition, call me old fashioned, but a brother who approaches a woman and uses profanity in, in, the, in his pickup line is not worth further conversation. He does not respect you. So um, he goes over some other warning signs that um, folks should be looking for when it comes to loving Jesus. And really, I would just say that loving Jesus is really defined by your level of maturity um, in Christ, right? So if you're a new Christian, loving Jesus might simply be that they are enrolled or on the roll at somebody's church. But as you mature in Christ, loving Jesus is they have accepted the will of God. They walk in faith and not by sight. They are somebody who has a prayer life that is independent of yours so that when um, you need to ask God or when you need when you get in a difficult situation in your relationship, both of you have a, 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 a time that you spent with the Lord where you can go to the throne of grace for yourself. And if you and and so in the Bible talks about a, a two-stranded cord being stronger, right? And so there's nothing like, um, and, and that's not to say that everybody that you date will be on the same level of maturity. You might be dating somebody whose spiritual context is different from yours. I am Pentecostal through and through. I'm I'm one of the folks that come from a denomination that I, that that folks will call holy rollers, and so naturally I have a very um, conservative perspective on a lot of different things that I really don't won't know until I become inti intimately involved with somebody and they're like, ah, that's, you know. And so there might be some things like, for instance, my um, perspective on church attendance is completely built out. Actually, it's built in being single because the Bible informs us that singles need to be caring for the work of the ministry, right? And so, because we don't we don't have a spouse, so our our our, our work in the ministry is is at church, right? And so, um, my perspective on going to church is, you know, I go whenever the doors are open. Is that realistic for somebody that is in a relationship? And so just because I go to church all the time doesn't necessarily mean that um, it, it doesn't have anything to do with my spiritual, my, my level of spiritual maturity. It just means I go because I feel like that that's what I'm supposed to do as a person that's single. And so that could easily change because when I get married, I have more responsibility. The Bible says that, I'm, that, that, that my household becomes my priority. And so we learn to love Christ together. And so our, your levels of, of, of relationship with Christ are going to be different. You may or may not be um, productive. It, it, it might um, 
you 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 have to weigh what that means and a lot of it has to do with um the the the, the way that people are willing to make compromise in their own life and if we make a compromise in our relationship that honors God then we can grow closer to God together Right. And so even if I'm a, a, a ordained minister and you are just a regular person that sits on the back row, we begin to define together what that relationship with Christ looks like as a unit. And then through our definition, and so that might mean that we don't go to every service because there are going to be some times when we need to spend time with each other. We need to spend time at home or we need to go on a date night or whatever that means. That's going to be purely defined on the how the relationship um, is developed. And so that I think it's important, um, according to Harry Vernon, to make sure that you are establishing together a relationship with Christ. Rule three is there must be connectivity and compatibility. This is very similar to rule number one about sexual, um, you know, sexual compatibility. But this is more about, you know, how you see each other. Um, or he talks about the ability to have conversation and to talk and to flow, um, the, the loyalty that is expressed within the relationship, um, whether um, a person is easy to talk to, um, are they a ride or die? Are there somebody that you can depend on when the going gets tough? Like, what's their tenacity like? What is there? And, it's, it's, and some stuff is like, you know, you especially if you've been single for a long time, 40 years old, and so I can't date somebody that has nothing in common with me. If we have nothing in common, then it's like we're living in two different worlds. Now, I know that there's compromise where, like, I teach you, I, I, I engage you in things that I'm interested in, and you engage me in things that I'm interested in, and then we develop things that we're both interested in, and it's like, bam. But the rea- reality is, is as you are, as you get older, like, you become set in your ways. And there's some stuff that I really like to do, but I really like to do it because I don't have to do it with other people, <laughs> right? And so, um, compatibility is just and and connectivity means like is there such a connectivity that there's that there are things that we both enjoy and that we both have in common and what i'm learning in this season is that thing that we both have in common can't necessarily just be church okay churches are closed now right and you don't want to build a relationship that is built on something external right like if you like to do puzzles then that's great because you can do puzzles you can buy a puzzle and take it somewhere you can do puzzles at home you can do puzzles at church right but you need to um have things that are not based on other systems i think that's one of the reasons why there are a lot of relationships that are in turmoil these days because people are are they they their relationships the success um, of their relationships have been were completely built on external things and they and when they had to just be you know at home like in 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 one environment that it became very difficult for them um to to just be around each other all the time because the things that they use as a crutch were no longer there for them so they had to learn how to they, they're they're learning how to survive or they're not learning how to survive and so you know 
I think that that's important. Rule number four, uh, Ari Vernon says that you need to discuss each other's past. And I think that this is a difficult one, right? Because ideally, um, you want to move forward, right? Like when you are pursuing a new relationship, like you want to move past the past. Um, But we know that history is one of the greatest teachers, right? We know that history tells us a lot. And so we need to know about a person's past, not just about, you know, like their previous relationships, but about their upbringing, like who raised them, what values were instilled in them when they were, when, when they were raised. Like, you know, did they have both parents? Did they have daddy issues? Did they have mom issues? Um, were they raised in environments that were clean? Um, what's your perspective on cleaning? How do they care for the home that they live in? Um, you want to discuss, according to Ari Vernon, what are their eating habits? What are their expectations for the kitchen? Um, you want to meet their parents. You want to get a good idea of how their parents work together, whether it's they're divorced or they don't. You want to get some good in, intent on what generational characteristics were passed down that are important to know about the person that you are interested in. You want to know about the things that um that that are that bother them their pet peeves the things that they think about the things that they don't think about the things that they avoid how strong is their relationship with their siblings uh you know what where where have they worked why did they quit where did they go what what's the longest thing that they've ever done that is, is consistent right and so there are a lot of things to be thinking about when you when, when you're talking about a a person's past, because like I said, a person's past can tell you a lot about them. Discussing children. Okay, this is why I had a lot of notes. Uh, Page 66 talks about discussing children. It says, if you are the type of person who doesn't want to deal with a child you did not make, you are not selfish. I love that because especially in this day and time, especially depending on how old you are, like it's almost very difficult to find someone today who doesn't have a child, right? Or there are a lot of people who are re-entering into the dating game who were divorced. So when you love someone, you 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 have to love what they bring to the relationship, right? So you 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 accumulate things over time, and then when you become one with somebody else, you either in your process in your process to become one shed those things, or though the other person that you are with learns to embrace that. What if it is a child? What if it is a family? What if it is a disabled mother or father? Um, you bring those things into the relationship. And so that doing that is a decision. I'm watching um, Love and Marriage Huntsville, um, and one of the couples on that show, in the event that you haven't watched it, um, has a child, a, a young man who is growing into manhood, and the man who is recently um, married to um, someone who is his second wife, and he is her second husband, and uh, both of them have children from a previous relationship, and they're going through the process of full adoption of 
the husband's son from a previous marriage. And there are all of these um, things that they likely had to do to develop a strong relationship, not just between um, the husband and wife, but between the children that are involved so that those children are comfortable in those situations. And I'm sure that for folks that have kids, like loving their kids or not loving them is a deal breaker. And so when you um, you want to know when you're having a conversation with um, someone, um, especially if they're a parent, like what their perspective is on, on children, especially raising other people's children. Um, if you have any friends um, who are of a mixed family, you um, can probably ask them some questions about, especially if they have children together and they have children that they don't have together, you can probably ask them questions about the difficulty of navigating uh, relationships um, with a child that is yours by marriage, but not yours, not your seed, not somebody that you were responsible for bringing on into the earth. And that can be, um, that, that can be difficult because um, maybe those children will experience favoritism um, from the, the, the step parent. Um, that can be very difficult. And so uh, it's not just deciding to embrace that child, it's deciding to embrace them as yours and and not to create um, any like ill feelings or traumatic um, relationships that can, can, you know, kind of bite you in the butt. Um, Ari Vernon talks about um, how um, he wants to write a book about uh, raising someone else's child a divine assignment. Raising someone's child is a divine assignment. You have to be called to that. Loving their parent is not enough, right? Because that person has to feel that you as an adult love and embrace them. And how many times have you seen those movies where, like, the kids don't feel like the parents um, really care about them? Um, the, on page 69, I underlined this. It says, don't let the person you're dating... Um, anywhere near your child until you're certain that God's hand is at work. And I think that that's really important. Like you don't want to expose your child to somebody that you don't think you're going to be in a relationship with. You don't want your house. You don't want any space that you occupy to be a revolving door or a carousel of men or women who are exposed to your children because then your children become confused. And in the long term, that can have some really negative impacts, right? Um, he also talks about um, having a conversation around how many children that somebody wants to have. Uh, on page 71, he asks a question, a great question for you to ask your potential new spouse is how many kids do you want to have? Don't minimize the question is is the admonition that he gives because some people um you know it's, it's kind of funny i whenever i hear men talking about how they want like a lot of kids um and the woman is like mm. the woman is thinking about what having a lot of kids means for her body uh and the man is because he doesn't have that challenge is probably thinking about what having a lot of kids means for his ego right and so you have to come to some you know, some, some middle ground on what, <laughs> what that, what, what, what having six kids means, um, for everybody. So you're thinking about when to meet the kids, um, whether you, whether both of you want to have kids, what you do if one person doesn't want to have kids, the other one has, uh, or does. Um, and then what if my kids don't like my spouse? What if they're not into the person that I am with? 
Um, so those are things that, that, that have to be considered uh, in relationship. Rule number six, talk about money. <sighs> like, <laughs> I don't know why this makes me uncomfortable, but it just does. I think a part, um, it doesn't make me uncomfortable. I shouldn't say that. I, a part of my challenge is that I hear a lot of like people my age, like talking about money as a deal breaker. And uh, it's not that I think it's an area that people should settle because I know married couples that struggle um, because they, their, their perspectives on having money and spending money and making money never married each other. Um, they just have two different ways of thinking about it just based on their upbringing. But I think that sometimes like people can take this part too seriously. I think sometimes people have a fear of putting themselves out there or dating because they are like overly concerned about what they could potentially bring into the marriage or they get uncomfortable around um, commitment because they don't want to go through the process of like people finding out what they have and what they don't have. Um, I think that we also put this emphasis on like what somebody's credit score is and we don't want somebody else's, we don't, we don't think our, we think our credit score is insignificant or corrupted and we don't, we don't feel like we're good enough for other people because of this area. Um, or like we, you know, don't, we're, we're very confident in this area and confident to the point where maybe other people are uncomfortable or don't want to, you know, communicate with us. Also, I think sometimes like credit scores and money and stuff like that, like speak to status and, you know, class and a lot of different issues that make people uncomfortable. Um, and some people are like perfectly comfortable with like certain lifestyles that don't center around the ev advancement through money and other people are like, nah, I don't want to be in the same place that I'm in now, you know, 40 years ago. This is what Ari Verdon says on page 74. He says, believing that your money issues or concerns will just work themselves out is a gross misconception assumed by many. In reality, however, finances do not just work themselves out. In all probability, without a solid plan for how you will handle money, financial troubles will likely arise. In fact, these troubles tend to increase when not handling, not handled aggressively and appropriately. You both can save yourselves years of pain and stress by engaging in candid conversations regarding your views, beliefs, thoughts, and plans concerning this important topic. I don't think you can talk about this enough. And it's not just about how much money you have. It's about your philosophy on how money should be gathered, how money should be saved, and how money should be used, right? Um, it, it does, there also for me has to be room for a couple to reimagine these things and to give each other grace, right? Uh, if I'm 40 years old and we get together, like sometimes I just go to the mall and I just buy things and I can do that because I know what my 
the lifestyle that I built, I know how much money I'm bringing in. I know how much money I got. And and my money, I'm not, with my money, I'm not responsible for any other person except myself. And so I know what I'm spending and why I'm spending it and what I have. When I become one with somebody else or when I'm in a company relationship with somebody else, my, 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 me, 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 what I got, what I got is not always going to work. Now, I understand that over time, there are some relationships where people decide, like, hey, um, you know, my money is my money and your money is your money. And we have a joint account and we transfer this amount of money in this account. And that's how we pay the bills and keep things afloat. Um, and, and But that's the result. That's the product of communication and relationship and development. That happens over time and through communication. So it's very important for people um, to be having those conversations. And so Ari Verdon says, show each other the money, right? Show up and, 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 and have that conversation. Understand each other's credit. Understand not just what each other's credit score is, but what necessarily do, do you all need to support each other? And what do you want, right? Somebody might have filed bankruptcy, but it might be the results of, you know, a previous divorce or, you know, something that you, you need to talk about. Talking about somebody's credit score is important because, you know, if you marry someone, once you marry them and your credit score becomes their credit score and you have a bad credit score, there's some things you would not be able to do as a unit, whether it be buy a house or buy a car or, you know, saving or having a credit card can be very difficult if, you know, you, your, your, your credit is, is living on both sides of the spectrum in a relationship. You also need to be looking at debt. When you get married, what debt are you incurring from that other person? Like, what do they have, you know, already? I think the, the important thing, though, um, that R.A. Vernon hits on is, is, is reviewing the history is the beginning, but it's not the whole picture, right? And so he says... Um, what is the plan? Before you say I do, sit down with your partner and create a realistic financial plan for your joint future. Uh, and, he, and he jotted down a few thoughts in order to um, point the reader in the, in, in the right direction. He said, make sure that you know the full extent of each other's financial situation. And after you've established that, number two, he says, wipe out as much debt as you can before you get married. Don't accumulate new debt attempting to pay for a wedding. Uh, decide um, who will work and settle on it. Live within your means. Don't overdo it, right? Um, buy everything with cash as much as you can. Save as much as you can. Create a five-year financial goal. Help those that are in need. And then he finishes off by saying, tithe in the church that you believe in. Um, those are good principles and practices for um, engaging in a healthy financial relationship. Rule number seven, right, says that you need to slow down, right? Um, you don't, I think sometimes when we're in a relationship, especially depending on how old we are, we get pressured to like move very quickly in relationships because we want to accomplish the things that we see our peers accomplishing, whether it be joint business ventures or kids or, you know, a happy and healthy sex life. We want to get the things that other people have. And so we rush ourselves into systems and find out that it ain't really all like that. And some folks that we are that we're wanting to emulate or that we're dreaming about or following, they don't necessarily have um, 
the capacity um, to the, the, that what they're selling is not realistic, rather. Um, and so um, here's what he says on page 90. He says, things could not be any better right now. The birds are singing, the weather is beautiful, and you're walking around smiling, skipping, and whistling. I would argue that with the exception of a true converse, conversion to Christ's experience, the feeling that no human feeling can replace I'm talking about the spirit field, experiencing his presence and that work. There's no greater feeling than the initial feeling of a romantic love. What you feel uh, on the inside can only be described accurately by someone currently experiencing it. Those of us that have moved from the initial love to a long-lasting, proven, abiding love, help held together by our Christ and his word, would not trade it for anything. But that does not take away from the warm, crazy, can't sleep, on the phone for six hours, every song matters, every song reminds you of that person love that you experienced initially. And so, um, you know, you, you want to, I think taking relationships slow is very important because you want to have those moments, like you want to create history in and in your life, right? You want to have, you want to create moments where you can look back on them and you weren't rushing or eager to do things. I think also the longer the time that you take to get to know each other, the better you can plan for your life, right? Um, and so um, he talks about taking a time out when needed. Um, he talks about like creating space in relationships so that um, you know, there is, you know, for a fact that the relationship is going to work. Um, rule number eight is engage or discipline or disengage. Um, that's the space in time um, where you have to make some decisions. Uh, page 102 says there comes a point in the Christian dating when you have to decide if you and the person you're with um, are going to get engaged Okay, I'll say it again. There is only one reason a Christian should be dating. Christians date to get married. We don't play the we don't play date. And so um, that's one of the things that the church has taught for many many years that Christians date to marry. Uh, we don't date casually. Uh, we date for the purpose of marrying. And what this should mean is that early on, if you realize that there is no possibility or no potential for compatibility, then you don't extend yourself beyond the time for which you realize, hey, this is not going to work. Um, I want to read a little bit about what he says about this. Um, he talks about Exodus 20. He says that in Exodus 20, God gave his people 10 commandments um, through his main man, Moses. I've taken the liberty, sorry, Vernon, um, of giving you all the single ladies reading this, what I call the Ten Demandments. As saved single women, you must demand certain things from yourself and any man you're seriously dating. I understand that before this book, the word demandments didn't exist, but it does now. The Ten Demandments for all the single ladies. I'm going to read them. Number one, demand yourself to love and trust God more than any man. Number two, demand yourself to pray as well as read your Bible consistently. 
Number three, demand yourself to desire the feeling of the Holy Ghost more than sex. Okay. Number four, <laughs> demand yourself to go to a teaching church weekly. Be active in ministry that you are called to. I don't know why this stuff is for the woman, but this is for everybody so far. Number five, demand that any man you are, that approaches you knows or is willing to know Jesus in an intimate way. Number six, demand that any man you date honors the God in you and treats you like the kingdom woman that you are at all times. Number seven, demand yourself to never allow any man to hit you and still have you. Mm. Number eight, demand that any man you're considering marrying get a healthy, get a healthy, get as healthy as possible in every way before you say I do. Number nine, demand of yourself that you never settle for any man that God did not send. So that's work. Never any woman that God does not send for the men. Uh, And then finally, demand that from this moment on, no man will ever have sex with you unless he is your husband. So those are the the the, the demandments uh, from R.A. Vernon that I think should apply uh, to all of us. Number nine, he says, go to counseling. We don't need to be afraid as Christians to go to counseling. If any, we need to get counseling early and often. We need to get counseling. Um, we need pastoral counseling. We need financial counseling. We need mental counseling. Any counseling that we can get us, but use those benefits at your job. Uh, use the free community benefits. Take advantage of any counseling that you can get because the more healthier you are, the more healthier your relationship is, the longer it will last, right? And so make sure that you are as healthy as possible and that you are pursuing um, a healthy relationship and exhaust all opportunities, right? Take advantage of every opportunity that you can to create a healthy relationship. And these rules and many of them, it doesn't matter how far along you are. Some of them you can go backwards. I know you've been together for five years. It's still not late to go over, you know, how that person was raised and some of the things that might impact your pending and your future marriage. The um, 10 and final uh, rule that Dr. Vernon um, provides for us is do touch. Uh, this is all about sex. And this really has to be um, your conviction, right? You have to decide that this matters. You have to decide that um, being consistent, being celibate, um, you have to decide. You have to decide the importance of this. You have to decide that this is a way that you are going to honor your body. Nobody else can put this on you. Nobody else can make this something that you do. And if you don't understand this from the biblical perspective, people will manipulate you. Um, and so you don't want to just be abstaining from marriage because your pastor said or because somebody told you that it was the right thing to do. I think it's important for couples to have a clear and concise understanding of why they are abstaining and what it means to God. And that comes really through counseling, right? Like asking the right questions, sitting at the feet of a spiritual leader or advisor 
and, and asking them what is necessary. And you want to make sure that before you even sit at these folks' feet, that they align with the value set that you already have, especially if you're not being counseled by somebody that you identify with as your spiritual leader or your pastor. And so these are a lot of, of, of things. Some of them, like, you know, are they seem to be really basic, but I think that all of us know people who skipped so many of these steps because they were just so eager to be in love and it kind of came back to bite them. And so what R.A. Vernon is essentially saying in this book is take every proactive step that you can to ensure that your love is long lasting um, and don't cut any corners. Don't try to make something that is not something um, that you want it to be. Um, be wise in the way that you um, think about relationships. Um, don't have so many rules in your life that you count people out, but be realistic about what it means to be in a covenant relationship with someone for a lifetime. That includes how you think about finances, how you would raise a child, um, how you experience Christ. All those are really, really, really important to life. And if we don't think about those beforehand, then we go into relationships with people and their lack of understanding or the, the fact that we haven't had this conversation as a unit, it impacts the way that we experience the world. Because if you're unhappy at home, it's very difficult to be happy everywhere else that you go. And so um, I would encourage you, I don't know if um, Dr. Verdon has other books, but you can look up um, any of his work on YouTube to see things that he is preaching about. I am in no way an expert. This was a book review. Um, and But I hope hopefully something was said that was helpful to you. I know this is one of my longer um, podcasts, but I think that um, it's a, such a cliche topic that church people don't talk about enough. And I think that the more we talk about it, the more we are empowered, the more that we make better decisions. And I think that as Christians, we want to be making decisions that people can look on and be proud of and emulate, right? I know it's hard to sometimes be the guinea pig or be the person responsible for modeling for everybody, but we have such a, fra a biblical framework that positions us to be role models, right? And so we want to be, um, as best as we can, um, uh, available for God's use and to for God to demonstrate his love through us. And that means that we are walking demonstrations of um, his love by the way that we love other people. And the word says that. So hopefully something was said that you um, find to be valuable. This is not normally things that I would um, podcast about, but I came across this book and I'm like, gotta talk about this. So thank you very much. And um, I look forward to having future conversations with you. If you find this to be helpful, please, please, please share it with your contacts. Um, I really appreciate that. I also want to say that um, if there are other books um, related to dating that really speak to the African-American framework and the Christian and Christian values, I'd love to know more about what books you're reading um, that um, you think would be valuable.